joining me today. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We are broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus on the unceded ancestral and traditional Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Sarah Unju, and as always, we have a great show for you today. I mean, does it even make sense for me to tell you that we have a great show for you anymore? Well, yes, it does, because I want you to know that we try our best to give you the best show we can, and I feel like we deliver. I feel like we do a good job giving you the best we can. We have we have amazing episodes also. Wow, this is a great way, a great segue into telling you to check out our past episodes. Just because our show is live doesn't mean everything is gone forever. No, 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 sir, or madam, or non-binary person. Our, all of our shows are podcasted. You can find every show, every single episode. Yes, you can find an episode from two years ago. Yes, you can find yesterday's, yesterday's episode. You can find anything you want. All you need to do is go to citr.ca, just search up Arts Report, and you'll find every single episode. But you know what? Don't do that right now. Do that after 6 p.m when the show ends because as I said we have a great show and you should listen to it so what's what do we have cooking up for you today today we have an interview with Elaine Joe for the podcast Art Heels we have a review of Old Dog which is a short film this review is done by our correspondent Olivia after that, we have another interview. This time, it's with Paul Pearson, and this interview is not done by me. It is done by Nico, our correspondent. After that interview, we have another review of the Global Dance series of the Dance Center. This review I will be doing. Wow, I, I just realized it's like interview, review, interview, review, which is pretty cool. It's like, you know, gives you a break from... One thing, like you, you listen to an interview, have a break with a review, and then you listen to another review, you know, interview. Oh my God. Okay, words. <laughs> but anyways, and after those reviews, <laughs> and interviews, oh my God, we have some shout outs. We're going to be shouting out three things. So tune in for those to find out what's happening what's cooking? Why am I using cooking right now? I never use that word in this context. Weird. That's fine. We're finding out new things. We're figuring stuff out. That's cool. Okay, so we're gonna start off with our interview with Elaine Joe. Before we start, I want to mention, I want to say a couple words about what we're talking about. I mean, you're going to get more information, but I want to I want to preface. I want to say uh first of all, Elaine Joe is a musician and a composer, which I will be saying it in a few minutes again in the beginning of the interview. And she is hosting this new podcast called Art Heals. And the reason that we wanted to cover this is because well, first of all, art it's in the name <laughs> and we local everything art related in Vancouver well almost everything we cover as much as we can as much as we humanly possibly can <laughs> and it's about mental health so this podcast is a way for you to 
learn more about mental health and learn more about how artists are using art to cope with mental health. It's it's a very important topic. It's I mean, I'm a big mental health advocate, so we need to end this stigma and talk about mental health more. It is as important as physical health and also I said I'm a mental health advocate but also I'm a psychology major so like I feel like this makes more <laughs> it makes more sense for me to be <laughs> for me to be connected more to this topic because you know in the past four years of my education I've heard so many things about different disorders different um, illnesses and as well as mental health things that aren't as severe as disorders or illnesses. And so it's really important to talk with people around you, talk with professionals and get help if you need to. There are some great resources out there. So please, please just, it's a Google... It's a quick Google search. Do a quick Google search and you'll find help. And if you're feeling depressed or... Well, I'm saying depressed because seasonal depression is a big thing right now. Especially with the new um, time change. So if you need help, please reach out. It gets better. For example, today I'm having the worst day I've had in a long time. But you know what? That's not gonna stop me. I'm recording this show for you. I'm happy to record it for you. And I reached out to some of my friends to talk to them. And I'm already feeling better. Even though I'm not feeling my best, better is something. And tomorrow's a new day. And we can do this. I believe in us. But anyways, after I can, I can go on about mental health for so long for hours but I will not instead I will leave the microphone to me and Elaine Joe so that we can learn more about this this podcast Art Heals so enjoy oh also I, I know I know I just said enjoy but I have to mention towards the end of the interview there was um ambulance i think and police sirens going on so if you hear those that's that's what they are it's not from you most probably not it's because there were sirens going on but anyways okay actually enjoy now <laughs> hello everyone today i'm with elaine joe who is a musician composer and mental health consumer she's also the host of a new podcast called art hills this podcast, as you can guess, is about art and mental health, which is a supportive and accessible way to learn about mental health through the creative arts. Hi, Elaine. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. Um, I'm doing to, good. That's good to hear. Thank you. Uh, to start off, I wanted to ask if you've ever done something like this before. No, I haven't. This is actually a first experience for me in um, all the ways, hosting and being part of this and being an interviewer. So yeah, it's all new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if this is your first time, how did you get involved with this project? Why did you want to host this podcast? Okay, so it came from a symposium that a bunch of people came together in the arts and mental wellness um, area. So from, I guess it was like the pottery group um, that does art. Um, there's also like theater groups. And so we all came together. Initially it was because we were having some issues around funding and we didn't want to kind of take from each other's pot. And we just kind of said, well, there must be some synergies here because we're all kind of in the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so we had something called community conversations and this was bringing everyone together. We did a little bit of a day workshop there. And one of the things that came out of it was to do a podcast mm -hmm. on mental health and how does arts and music kind of intersect that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you, so for this podcast specifically, um, 
from the beginning of you know the idea of having a podcast did was it said that you were going to be the host or did that happen kind of <laughs> no <laughs> so what happened it was actually earl peach who is our um, choir director for the highs and lows which is a mental health um choir mm -hmm. and he just asked me i think i was giving him a lift somewhere and he said oh do you want to host this podcast um, mental health and i i just kind of thought it was going to be a one-off thing mm -hmm. and i figured okay well yeah I've, i've got time for that so sure i can do that and then of course it hasn't turned into that it's turned into an ongoing kind of a thing monthly podcasts interviewing all this kind of stuff uh so yeah that was my involvement i just yeah i said yes <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool and so as the host you you mentioned that you're interviewing people so for example i read that the first episode is with sarah jickling who is a vancouver-based musician so i was wondering how you guys find you the people that you're interviewing how do you decide who you want to be in the podcast okay so what we do is we often get recommendations from people either in the arts Um, or in the mental health arena and mm -hmm. they're familiar with somebody that they know and they go oh I think this person would be good and in terms of what we're looking for is someone who can inspire and someone who's kind of thought through something um, you know it can be dark it can be difficult mm -hmm. but mainly how have they used art or music to help them on their healing journey mm -hmm. okay and all are all of the episodes with a guest or will you be having any episodes with just you in which you talk about your experience as a musician and a composer associated with mental health yeah i think down the road uh we might do it that way we might choose someone <laughs> like me uh, but right now we've got so many people out there who have some amazing stories uh that it'll probably be at least a year before we get to uh <laughs> someone within the group itself. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's so much out there. And there's one woman we're actually working with right now. Mm -hmm. And her name is Sylvie McCormack. And not only does she have issues related with depression, um, and bipolar issues, mm -hmm. but when she turned 21, she came down with multiple sclerosis. Oh. And so she's also had a physical disability that she's had to deal with. Yeah. And now she's in her 60s and she went from being an athlete to being a musician in a band, traveling across Canada. And so now what she does is instead of looking at her situation as something that limits her, mm -hmm. she basically says, okay, what can I still do? Okay, my right arm doesn't work. My left hand is good. From the neck up, she can do anything. Right? Yeah. And so then she decided to go into soundscapes Ooh. and she has just the most amazing ability to hear things. Mm -hmm. So we did a very long pre-interview with her out in Stanley Park mm -hmm. and she was saying, oh, and Kate, behind me, there's a Vancouver city truck. And if it started going backwards, you would hear this beeping sound and we just kind of look up. It's like, oh, yes, there is one. And she says, and there's a squirrel over there that is going to like make some sound in the grass and some leaves. She goes, so record that. Oh, and then wow. you can start using that and so it's just it's just amazing because we're meeting some really cool people that have turned kind of their disabilities into something that's really contributing to society and so it's yeah it's been really neat yeah that's very exciting and how long are the episodes in general do you are they around the same for each one yeah they tend to be about 30 35 minutes or so um in instances like sylvie i almost want to do like more than one episode on her because mm -hmm. she's got such a big life and you know as you get older and if you've been in the arts for that long um you tend to have more to say i mean she even designed the mask that the kokoro dancers use right because oh, wow. that was just yeah she just happened to be doing some pottery and then boom right <laughs> and she's just the most uh easygoing she calls herself like a bag lady because she just walks around with well she doesn't even walk around she's in a scooter and she just has all this stuff double hats and, and you just never know she was this award-winning personality right mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. And so talking about all the talking with different people and these people have such different and inspiring experiences. I was wondering if you think Art Hills is affecting you or your mental health in any way when talking to these people or just in general. 
Yeah, I think what it's doing for me is it's making me realize, and I think it's kind of equalizing what I call the playing field. So I was just saying to my girlfriend, Eleanor, who's just behind me right now, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking, you know, what really bothers me the most is not people who have been in the system, mm-hmm. it's people who have not been in the system, without being like a psychiatric ward or something, and they're going around undiagnosed. And yeah. the problem with that is that there's some people who really do need some help and they're not getting any help. And I think what this podcast is going to do is at least help from the perspective of saying, hey, you know, there are other people out there like you. Some of them are on medication, some of them aren't, but they're in a craft. They found something, they found a passion, mm-hmm. that if, whether it's singing or if it's acting, and that is actually transforming their lives. And it's kind of like, you know, you could do this too, because I think there's a lot of frustrated people out there, yeah. um, especially during COVID, because there's so much isolation now, that there's just, I don't know, so much you can do if you want, that can kind of get you out of that. Out of, so where there's just depression or some anxiety, because we all suffer from that, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Earl says, you know, if you take a take a ibuprofen, then you know you're, you you could be a candidate for the choir as far as he's <laughs> concerned, right? So you know, it's kind of a way of celebrating mental health, mm-hmm. um, but doing it in a way that tells a really deep story, and then just how do people transform themselves and get through that? Yeah, that's that was very um, beautifully put, like beautifully worded. And Thank you. So, um, talking more about the episode formatting itself, I'm wondering if, as the host and interviewer, do you have, is it a structured interview or is it more like a, you know, like an open conversation? Okay. So, normally what we do is we'll do a bit of a pre-interview with someone because Mm -hmm. there are, there's just so much that can be said um, about a person in their life. Um, So we'll start with that. And it's just kind of a general idea of who the person is, how they used art to heal themselves. um, You know, how does that affect um, their mental health? And and just kind of, are they going to make a good candidate? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it's just kind of, We don't really have anything structured in the beginning. We're looking a little bit for depth, emotional content, Mm -hmm. how the person talks, you know, are they thoughtful? Because like our first two, Alaric, he's kind of more thoughtful, intelligent, and a slow speaker. And and he makes for, like, it makes for really good radio because Mm -hmm. you can kind of get where he's coming from. And the same thing with Sarah. Like, Sarah's story is amazing, and um, she has a beautiful timbre about her voice that, that... kind of tells you how she's feeling and I don't know if that's just because she's a musician or that's just her personality Mm -hmm. so we also kind of look at how a person comes across as well in addition to their story yeah okay that's great to hear um so I want to ask lastly where can people find and listen to Art Heals Okay, so we are on iTunes, we are on Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, um, all of those. Uh, so yeah, if you just look for Art Heals, the logo is of two different colored hands playing a harp that's mm-hmm. slightly kind of bent. And uh, yeah, so that was Laurence Richard, who is also our technician. She was our logo designer too. So everyone's <laughs> kind of doing this all on their spare time. It's kind of a, a small team of very dedicated people. <laughs> That's yeah. very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this podcast. It sounds extremely interesting, and I'm really excited to listen to it myself. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. No, pleasure. And, and thanks for reaching out and getting in contact with us. I hope people listen to it and get inspired. Yes, I hope so, too. Thank you. At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one.
to prevent the spread of coronavirus 2019 or COVID-19, social distancing and self-isolation measures have been recommended. What is social distancing? Social distancing includes, but is not limited to, discussing the possibility of working from home, avoiding visits to long-term care homes, retirement homes, supportive housing, hospices, and other congregate care settings unless the visit is absolutely essential, avoiding non-essential trips in the community, keeping the windows down if you have to go into the community for an essential trip via taxi or rideshare, limiting or canceling group gatherings, spending time outside and in settings where people can maintain one to two meters or three to six feet of distance from each other. These guidelines are not meant to say you must stay in your home. You can still go outside and take a walk, go to the park, or walk your dog. If you need groceries, go to the store. It is simply recommended that while outside, you make sure to avoid crowds and maintain a distance from those around you. Hello everyone, we're back! And if you're wondering, who is this girl speaking? It's Sarah Unju. Welcome, you're listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. So, I hope... Well, if you're not just tuning in right now... By the way, I just spilled water, but that's fine. We're continuing. The show must go on. <laughs> if you're not just tuning in, and if you've been listening from the beginning, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Elaine. It sounds really interesting. It sounds really cool. I'm really glad that this podcast is happening. I'm going to listen to it personally. I hope you listen to it too. Definitely check it out. Again, it's called Art Heals. So now, on to a review and another interview. I'm not going to speak for too long. I'm just going to leave you to listen those. The first one is Olivia's review of Old Dog. And then the second thing is Nico's interview with Paul Pearson. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I hope you have had a good weekend and that your week is off to a really good start. My name is Olivia, and today we'll be talking about Old Dog, a National Film Board of Canada film written and directed by Anne-Marie Fleming. Anne-Marie Fleming is an award-winning Canadian writer, director, and animator. Her cross-platform work contends with themes of family and history through a variety of genres, including animation, documentary, and drama. Released in 2020, and coming in at just over three minutes total runtime, Old Dog is described as follows. After losing his best friend, an elderly pug named Henry must depend on his owner for help and companionship. Writer-director Anne-Marie Fleming makes visible the tender work of caretaking in her new animated short, Old Dog. All dogs and people should be so lucky and so loved. The entirety of the film is narrated from the owner's voice and perspective. This unnamed owner is an elderly man, and while he describes the aging reality of his canine companion, the parallels between the two of them are indicated visually on screen, typically through the described changes in the dog's life being mirrored through the owner's actions and movements. Although the runtime is short, there isn't a moment wasted and each word of dialogue offers the viewer insight into this sweet, slow, and loving bond that these two characters have. The best friend Henry has lost is never specified past her name, Lucy, but I personally believe that this friend might be the narrator's wife, given the connection emphasized between the two of them. It's sorrowful, and yet it's sweet, and it shows us the comfort these two characters share within each other's company. As someone whose pets are beginning to show signs here and there of their age, I felt a pull at my heart as each little characteristic was displayed and described. The elderly narrator is factual, yet gentle with his words, which makes for a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but in the best way. The narration is also backed by cheerful music, as well as certain noises such as Henry barking, or water running, which add another dimension to the auditory experience. Only at the very end does another voice enter, asking, Are you okay, Dad? And likening the whole film 
to a moment of the old man simply being lost in thought. The film is animated through simple drawn artwork in which the main characters are typically filled with an off-white coloring, while objects specific to that particular clip are colored and given more dimension. The background fluctuates between different light colors, and the overall color palette of the film is bright and warm without being overbearing. Each little action or movement by Henry is absolutely adorable, and although we catch glimpses of the old man putting in his hearing aid and cleaning his glasses, his figure is a lot more skewed and mysterious than that of the little old pug. It reminded me, overall, of a Pixar short film, with its upbeat soundtrack, heartfelt narrative, and cute animation. There are a few scenes that I found to be particularly sweet and memorable. The first being Henry's uncertain face while his owner pulls up his little no-slip socks for walking, and the second being Henry walking across the screen, pushing his nose into his food bowl and leaving a couple round pieces of dog food on the floor behind him. There is frequent use of color coordination between our two on-screen characters to, again, parallel their similarities. While Henry's socks are being pulled on, his owner's feet are shown on either side of him, his socks a very similar shade of orange. At the end, when the narrator is pulled back to reality by presumably his daughter, he is in the middle of explaining that his dog's hip problems have caused difficulty with incontinence, which is why he wears a little diaper. On screen, we see Henry sitting in his little purple underwear, and when the old man stands, we ourselves catch a glimpse of his matching pair at the top of his jeans. It's silly and sweet and perfectly encapsulates the overall tone that Anne-Marie Fleming was trying to convey through this film. If any of this sounded like something you would be interested in, or if you'd simply like to watch a charming little short film about a man and his fellow senior pug companion, Old Dog is available through the National Film Board of Canada website. I genuinely really enjoyed this little film and would recommend these three minutes of comfort and companionship to anyone interested. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this review of Anne-Marie Fleming's Old Dog and that you have a good rest of your day. Hi, my name is Nico Martin Mechino and I'm here today to present Paul Pearson and his debut poetry collection, Lunatic Engine. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Nico. Really excited to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for joining on uh, Zoom. And how is it over in uh, in Alberta? I believe you're you're out there, right? Yeah, in uh, in Edmonton, and it's uh, it's cold, and uh, COVID numbers just keep rising while the temperature just keeps falling. Now, this is your first poetry collection, is it not? It is. Yes. And now for myself, just reading a bit of your poetry, it's, uh, it's, it's quite creative for myself in, in the formatting. I saw just a ton of formatting and uh, that was very unique to, to the little bit that I've read of poetry. And for example, there's one uh, poem called On the Right Path, semicolon by the grace of God. And uh, I believe that poem throughout the, throughout the whole poem it's just separated there's almost two sides of it there's there's a left side and then a right side in the middle is just a semicolon and i just wanted to ask you a little bit about that format and just and just also ask if formatting for you is just something that you like to experiment with or is, is it is it something that you just kind of use for the poem in particular like for this one was this just the best way to format it to get the message out you wanted yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, the book itself uh, owes its existence to and 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 really references uh, a book by uh, a, a woman named Davis Sobel, a science writer, called Galileo's Daughter, um, and it's essentially a biography of Galileo told through the letters that exists um, from from his daughter who spent uh, her life in a convent at, at San Mateo. So it's a it's a fascinating book, and the first section of of my book, uh, the poem titles are all um, the chapter titles from from uh, Galileo's daughter, and the poems themselves. Uh, generated out of out of those titles the the, the title came first uh, and the one uh, to which you're referring has a, a semicolon right in in the middle and that particular chapter in the, in the book talks about division and it's, it's got a division and it's, it's got a break and so the subject matter of of the poem um, as i was writing it seemed to have a natural break through the middle of it a, a gutter um 
through it, and it just made sense. Uh, you know, another poem uh, in in the collection, uh, which is about um, uh, about uh, um, a miscarriage, uh, actually has uh, the word "still" running down the right side of the poem, and then as the poem goes down, it it, it slowly bends and and comes in, uh, in in the shape uh, like of a of a of a pregnant belly. Uh, you know, again, the content there really dictated the the form. Uh, that's generally how I, I, I tend to work things. Content first, form is malleable. Whatever works, I'm good with it. Very interesting. So then let's talk a little bit about that correlation with Galileo and Lunatic Engine. How did that kind of, how did the genesis come about this? How did uh, you just read this book and then you just thought, wow, I'm just, you know, it, it affected me in a certain way that I want to poetically kind of translate it in my own sense or because I'm, I'm just interested to, to know how that book just really set off the, the your poetry collection? Um, yeah, there are books that hit you right between the eyes, and uh, and this book did that. And uh, you know, I read it um, many years ago, shortly after my wife and I were married, and she was in cooking school. We both, you know, finished our degrees, and she was uh, she was going to cooking school, and and uh, was working one Christmas at Emerald Lake Lodge in Yoho uh, National Park, which is an absolutely beautiful place, uh, especially in the middle of winter uh, when it gets a whole lot of snow. And I kind of snuck in and was was uh, was staying in, in staff residence. And so I didn't have much to do during the day while Sue was at work. And, and she got me this book and, and I read it basically by myself, uh, you know, under, you know, 30 feet of, of, of snow. And the story itself, right, I mean, Galileo, who, who basically invented science, right, one of, uh, one of the first modern men in, in so many different ways, um, but also really, um, really religious uh, writer, really religious guy, but, but also went through the Inquisition and, uh, and spent some time, you know, under arrest and, and under confinement. And you know, at one point, you know, his, his life was, was, was really threatened. And he had three illegitimate children, two daughters, who spent their lives confined in a convent. Um, like they didn't leave the convent after, after they went in. And, and so that juxtaposition of, of the guy who invented science being confined by God and the church in one way and his daughter being confined by God and the church in a different way. And then across that, handwritten letters back and forth, um, uh, you know, just the sheer beauty of, of, of that situation, that image, that reality, that, that life, and, and something that is so fundamental to, to, you know, Western European history and, and where we're, we're currently at, um, combined with, you know, reading it on top of a mountain. And I grew up in, in the mountains in southeastern BC in, in the bush and had been living in Edmonton for a while. And so this was kind of like home and there's all those sorts of things kind of mixed together in, in, uh, in a crazy cocktail. Very interesting correlation. So then talking about the book itself, what are what is the, what are the themes that you translated from reading those letters of, of Galileo's daughters into transforming into lunatic engine? So what what are the what are the words that you say in, in lunatic engine? What are the themes that display itself? At its core, it's um, about the search for meaning. Um, and and both on the personal level and on the on the universal level, right? Mm -hmm. the, the daily business uh, of, of of living, um, the really boring tedium, um, but at the same time, the whole questions of you know why are we here? Where did we come from? What is what is existence? Um, coupled then with with family stuff, you know, while I was writing the the book, we had children, and then my mother died, and, and all sorts of, of that daily stuff. So it really, Lunatic Engine is an exploration of those different ways of knowing, those different ways of, of, of questing, um, and, you know, getting down to the point and realizing um, where, you know, science and religion actually don't... Um, conflict because science is about how and uh, religion philosophy spirituality all of that sort of thing is about is about the why um, and uh, you know it's kind of like two halves of uh, of the brain 
and, and how we exist in this in this world and you know what are we going to tell our children um, what do you believe uh, you know what are you doing really fundamental personal questions about, about why you uh, are alive as an individual you know so, the small stuff yeah the small stuff the basic stuff no one of the one of the reasons why I think philosophy should be taught to younger students say in elementary you know some people across the world or some some societies actually do that and I think those are questions that you know youth should be thinking from a from a young age the right type of questions I would say now if I could just ask what is lunatic engine like what does that mean just so we can get it out there okay so uh lunatic engine um was uh one of my first email addresses uh, back uh back in the back in the day i was actually graduating nice. university as the internet was coming into being and, and uh believe it or not that's that's where it started that the just the sound of those of those two words together and, and that image um, and you know as I was working on the book I was chatting with the, with a friend of mine the poet Andy Weaver who now teaches at York um, uh, you know trying to figure out a, a title for this for this book and he's like dude your email address lunatic engine seriously I, again that confined by God lunatic asylum engine of creativity and science and progress and all of those things kind of kind of juxtaposed so it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, I don't know kismet or something. A little bit of destiny, yeah. Yep. That's uh, well. I'm glad that we we understood that now because I was I was reading the book and I was like, what is like I was I had my theories that it was you know just a sense of when we do ask those questions for myself, I feel a little crazy, you know, because sometimes you try to look at the empirical data and then you try to relate it to your emotions and then to what you, you what you want to be and all that stuff and you just you feel a little bit lost and a little crazy and and kind of not sure where you're left off at the end of it so i was i was kind of thinking it was on those lines but um i'm glad i heard it from you just to reiterate it more than anything i can't believe that was your that was your email that's a great email that's where the creativeness started eh well, uh, you know, I've been around so long that my Twitter is Paul underscore Pearson. Like it's <laughs> right from the from the beginning. Uh, I want to talk just really quickly too about something that isn't in the book. We talked about ways of knowing and science and and religion. And so, you know, I mentioned this in in my book launch. And when we do the Oliver reading series in Edmonton or or, or any other uh, sort of thing, I, I talk about. Um, land acknowledgement, territory acknowledgement. Um, and, you know, I grew up in unceded uh, territory, the ancestral home of the Tanaha people okay. uh, in, in southeastern BC, currently living on, on Treaty 7 territory. Um, and, you know, one of one of my things, one of my pet peeves is, is how land acknowledgements uh, seem to be coming uh, just a checklist item, and people don't understand why. And people don't understand that not only are Indigenous people treaty people, but we're all treaty people on, on both sides of this and, and we all have a responsibility and the land acknowledgement is acknowledging the importance of of where you come from and the importance of, of nature and and those who have come before and on whose land we're, we're guests um, so so it's not something that I, I'd like to write down and put in a book or that but uh, but I do um, try to acknowledge it whenever I, I get a chance in, in doing a reading or, or speaking with folks and, and you know the land is a huge part of this book I was shaped by the mountains and the bush that I, I grew up in um, north of north of Fernie in, in Elkford and um, it's really important that that I acknowledge that and, and acknowledge that you know I was a settler descendant um, living on this unceded territory well thanks for mentioning that that's it is important also I think to clarify what land, land acknowledgements actually mean because even myself and and we've been talking about this in other classes that i have it's becoming a sort of a performance like you said a checklist a regurgitated information something where some people you can feel they're rolling their eyes at which is completely contradictory of the purpose of of saying it but um i do appreciate that you mentioned that because it is for me it's an ongoing discussion as well you know, and uh, I think there, it's time to implement a next phase for that. Now we we acknowledge the land. What else now? You know, so but I'm I'm it really does uh, come out in your book as well. It manifests the setting and everything, the acknowledging. And I think one thing that you mentioned that I interpreted was the presence. Right? It's it's a presence. It's about knowing the history and where we're at and and being conscious of the next decision 
that we're going to make because the next decision in lots of ways is the most beautiful. You know, it's, it could be your last, it's, it's liberty. It's, it is, it, it holds so much meaning whether that be from food, from what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, but it, it's, it's real. It's you and it's an impact that you're making. So I appreciate that. And if you have uh, anything else to say, by all means, go ahead. And right before we finish, if you could also just say a little poem of yours to end this this uh, interview, that'd be wonderful, please. Great. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'll, I'll end with a, with a poem. Um, and I think it'll be obvious why I chose this one today. We're recording this on a day where Alberta's recorded its highest level uh, daily case counts. Uh, uh, and we're, you know, looking at, at hopefully further restrictions, but, uh, but it's, it's on my brain. Um, and so the poem, since the Lord chastises us with these whips, how many times did he open the door, checking to see if death was sneaking up on him? I often think of Galileo this way, the plague bubbling up from the flagstones, panic and fear burning through the city, a flea under his microscope, fangs bared but not talking, not to giving up the genetic map. To be so close to the truth, a Frenchman would finally identify the plague bacteria more than 250 years later. To know how to get to the answer, but to have no time. There's never enough time. And all around, everyone else puts their faith in alchemy and magic, and all around flowers, folk medicine. I'm telling you now, death stalks us differently. No more buboes or black skin sloughing off. Dead rats don't drift against the door anymore. Everything is dying quietly, and there are too many things to believe in. Too many choices for salvation. And the flea still bears its fangs under the microscope. And I keep opening the door. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was Paul Pearson reading from his debut poetry collection, Lunatic Engine. Thank you again, Paul. Thank you, Nico. Take care. We'll see you around. Best of luck. And I guess one thing we should mention is you were writing another poetry book, I believe, right? Yes. Yes. I uh, am uh, about a third of the way through the, the next uh, the next book, which I think picks up more explicitly on some themes of of, uh, of colonialism and uh, uh, and particle physics, quantum physics, and uh, the surrealists. Uh, and it's it's called uh, Tarzan and the Robot Gods at the End of Time. So hopefully that'll be out in a couple of years. Well, wow, that's an amazing name. I can't wait for that. And that'll be published off uh, which company? Well, Turnstone published Lunatic Engine, um, and so hopefully they like the second one. Uh, and yeah, don't hesitate to get on Turnstone uh, Press's uh, website to, to buy the book. Uh, really appreciate it. Okay, perfect. Thank you again, Paul. Best of luck. Thanks, Nico. The world is a better place because of Kim Kardashian's empire, Cheetos, fleece material, and Discorder. It's a local, independent music magazine from CITR. Which means that we can print whatever we heckin' want. Album and live show reviews, interviews with artists, and sweet illustrations grace our pages. And even you, listener, can contribute. Just visit citr.ca backslash discorder backslash contribute. You can grab it around town or read it at discorder.ca. Forever local and forever free. sick and have contracted COVID-19, the BC Centre for Disease Control recommends staying home from work, school, and away from other public places. If you must go out, avoid using any kind of public transportation, ride-sharing, or taxis. Monitor your symptoms carefully. If your symptoms get worse, call your healthcare provider immediately. Get plenty of rest. Stay hydrated. If you have a medical appointment, call the healthcare provider ahead of time and tell them that you have or may have COVID-19. For medical emergencies, call 911 and notify the dispatch personnel that you have or may have COVID-19. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Or clean your hands with an alcohol-based hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. As much as possible, stay in a specific room and away from other people in your home. Also, you should use a separate bathroom if available. 
If you need to be around other people in or outside of the home, always wear a face mask. Avoid sharing personal items with other people in your household, like dishes, towels, and bedding. Make sure all personal items are cleaned with general cleaning products after use. Clean all surfaces that are touched often, like counters, tabletops, and doorknobs. Use household cleaning sprays or wipes according to the label instructions. Hi, I'm back. Okay, so I'm gonna do my review now. Hell yeah. Okay, so the Dance Center's Global Dance Series of in this series why can't I speak oh my god what, what, what was words Mary Lou's Albert's solo dances and uh, past into present this is all gonna make sense I was supposed to attend this live but it got canceled because of the new restrictions and their director of marketing Heather was kind of kind enough to invite me to sit in during filming so that I could still do my review it was it was a very special experience for me. I'm really happy I got to watch it live. And don't worry, I had my mask on at all times. And I was keeping uh, my distance from everyone. So, what is this show? I will be reading you off of the program because, you know, they're professionals. They, they do a better job t saying words than I do. <laughs> okay. Two generations of Canadian contemporary dance artists come together with vibrant solo works helmed by Mary Louise Albert. Or Albert. I'm okay, never mind. Mary Louise Albert. <laughs> Having retired from performing 20 years ago, following a distinguished career as a dancer, Albert is reviving three solos she commissioned from leading Canadian choreographers for a new generation of outstanding female performers. Peter, Bing Peter Bingham's Woman Walking Away will be danced by Livona Ellis. Ted Robinson's Olos features Vanessa Goodman. And Ellen Kaija's Trace Elements will be performed by Rebecca Margolik. Joyful, yearning, vivacious, and dramatic, these eclectic, beautifully crafted solos encompass a world of emotions. Albert herself returns to stage at the age of 65 for the premiere of Emprunt. Oh, I think this is French. Emprunt, <laughs> a new solo commissioned from Serge Benethan. And to mark emerging choreographic voices, Ellis and Margolik will also share two of their own short solos. This inspiring and deeply personal project celebrates the equal creative fusion of dancer and choreographer and pays tribute to the enduring cycle of lives in dance and to the continuing evolution of choreography itself. I think there were supposed to be three solos, uh, but then two, uh, two were added. So like those... Um, those the 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 oh my god the two originals of Alice and Margot like they were added afterwards so there were six in total oh I said three I, I was gonna say four anyways so before I get into my thoughts on the performance I want to let you know that you can stream it between December 3rd and December 17th that's why it was filmed tickets are ten dollars so it's a great price for a great show you can find details and buy the tickets on the dance center's website so let's talk about these solos shall we uh, I would talk about all of the solos separately but I feel like that would take much longer than it should so I'm I'm gonna say something about each of them but not really get into details in most of them I don't want to give too much detail also because I would want you to experience the solos for the first time like I did and you know not go into it knowing every single thing about them so first of all I would like to say that all of the dancers were extremely good they had great techniques and they were feeling the dances which is really what it should be because because if the dancer doesn't put their soul into it you can really tell and it it really ruins the show for you as the audience also you can tell that they're very hard-working dancers because dance is challenging dancing solos is challenging and doing multiple solos like at a hundred percent is even more challenging so what I'm trying to say is that I wasn't disappointed for sure when it comes to this 
dance show and the dancers themselves. So I'm not going to speak on the choreography because they were, you know, solos with different choreographers. And I really, everyone, every choreographer has different styles. So I can't, I'm not going to speak much on that. So the first solo was of Mary Louise Albert herself. She was wonderful. There was no music in the beginning. And then the music started after a while. One thing about that is like one thing about having no music in the beginning is that it made me focus more on the specifics. I was staring at her arch because as a ballerina, I'm used to watching dancers' feet. But after the music, I found myself watching it as a whole, if that makes sense. So watching the whole thing. Uh, and not focusing on her arch. So this solo, oh my god, this solo made me forget I was in that room watching her live. I was so transcended. I forgot what time and reality is. It was it was quite interesting because I have never felt that way before watching a dance show. Like, yes, I have loved so many things I've seen and I felt like I was in the story the dancers were telling, but... I have never had the experience of feeling so, so detached from reality. I wasn't aware of anything around me or like the chair I was sitting on. It was, it was definitely something else for sure. And I will not lie to you. I didn't feel this way during all of the solos. They were all great, but, but something special about this first solo. There was, there was something special about Mary Louise Albert's uh, solo. The second solo was really interesting, again, for a different reason, though. So, the dancer had one hand on on top of their shoulder and then the other hand moving on the side. Both of the both the way their hands moved and the way they were walking reminded me of flamenco from the very beginning. I was confused though because in my head I was thinking, you know, they probably weren't going for flamenco. It, this is contemporary dance, like it's a d- different dance genre. What are you thinking about, Sarah? But then towards the end of the solo, there was clapping in the music, so I was like, wait, was I right? <laughs> and so. No lie, I'm still not sure if that's what they were going for, but if they were, great job. They did a really good job. If not, dance is very subjective. It can make everyone in the audience feel and think of something else. And in my case, that's what I thought about. So the third solo was the one with the most movement out of the three so far also the music was different from all of them i'm not gonna say what it was to keep you wondering what it is so you can stream it and find out yourself i already you know i I really don't have much to say besides the fact that she must have had really good stamina um like how does one dance in anything long-sleeved also thoughts running in my head while I was watching it so big kudos to the dancer for being able to give absolute 100% in that performance and wearing a long sleeve top on top of that it was great the dancer was great (laughs) so moving on to the fourth one this one had an extra medium from the other ones is all I will say (laughs) also I wrote in my notes technique 10 out of 10 (laughs) I was impressed. Uh, it's really good technique in all of them. But like the, the fourth one had extremely good technique. Okay, I'm not saying much because I really want you guys to stream the show and experience everything for yourself. I don't want to be giving away too much, as I said. So with that being said, I'm moving on to the fifth one. The fifth solo was very calming, to say the least. It was so calming that I actually started to feel sleepy. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. This is not a backhanded way of me trying to say that it was boring because it definitely was not boring. When I say calming, I mean calming. It was a change of pace from the previous solo. And it it just made me feel calm. And the one after this was a change from change of pace from this one (laughs) so um and the only thing I put in my notes for the last one is quote taking in the sunlight cool unquote which is (laughs) 
which is a comment on the lighting. Also, the lighting was really good. I was quite impressed by lighting in all of the solos, but specifically, I would say on the first, the third, and the last one. So, in summary, this was a, a great dance show. It was amazing. Each of the dancers had great technique, and you could see they were passionate about the, the dance. They were passionate about dance in general, but also passionate about the solos they were doing because they, you could see that they put their soul into it. I liked it very much, and I 100% recommend watching it. Again, you can stream it from December 3rd until December 17th and tickets are $10. If you get tickets, you'd be watching an amazing dance show and you'd be supporting your local artists and your local art center, which is greatly appreciated, especially right now with the new restrictions. It is very, 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 very important. Okay, so on to the shout outs. First shout out goes to Whistler Film Festival. A lot of film festivals happen during the year and to end the year, there is one more. Whistler Film Festival is happening basically the whole month of December. They were originally going to have in-person screenings, but with the rising numbers of COVID, the film festival has been moved fully online, which I personally think is a great opportunity for those who are back home due to COVID or wouldn't have been able to attend in-person screenings anyways. So they have over 89 films. Run a bath if you like watching movies while taking a bath or get under your blanket on your couch or under your sheets in your bed. You can even make a blanket for do whatever you want. Just get cozy. Choose the movies you're interested in out of the 30 feature films and over 58 shorts. All of them will be available to watch nationally until December 31st. This is from December 1st until 31st. Also, Something amazing to mention is that 71% of this year's lineup is Canadian. So support your Canadian artists and local festival by watching some of the movies from Whistler Film Festival's lineup. Definitely, you can get more information and buy your tickets or a festival pass if you want to on their website, which is whistlerfilmfestival.com. Again, that is whistlerfilmfestival.com. Okay, next up is a shout out to a a film so talking about films <laughs> our next shout out is for Wajid songs of separation it follows three syrian refugees as they turn to their love of sufi music to deal with their traumatic past so i'm gonna read you directly from the email we received because i don't think i can paraphrase well and you know they do a really good job explaining Inspired by the traditional sacred music of Syria, filmmaker Amar Chebib traveled to Damascus and Aleppo in 2010. Six months later, the revolution began escalating into a bloody civil war and the largest humanitarian crisis of our time. Touched by the harrowing experiences of the friends he made, Wajid transformed into the stories of three musicians turned refugees. Over five years, we witnessed the struggles of Ibrahim, Abdul Wahid, and Mohammed. Forced to rebuild their lives in exile, they turned to their love of music to help them find meaning in the aftermath of destruction and atrocity. Intimate footage of their daily lives weaves together with bittersweet musical performances, extremely rare Sufi ceremonies, and poetic imagery of a pre-war Syria that no longer exists. What unfolds is a cinematic medieval on loss, yearning, and faith. If this sounds interesting to you, and I, I think it's it's quite interesting, you can watch the movie beginning today until December 9th at wajidfilm.com. That is W-A-J-D-F-I-L-M.com. Also, there will be a live Q&A on December 5th at 11 p.m. not p.m. so December 5th at 11 a.m. Pacific time there's going to be a live Q&A. You can get more info and the tickets at www.realcauses.org forward slash wajid that's r-e-e-l causes.org forward slash w-a-j-d. Okay 
our last shout out is for Studio 58's Audio Play Showcase. So finishing off, let's we're talking about something different. We're talking about audio plays. Unfortunately, now that we can't watch live theater again with the new restrictions, we're turning to listen to them. So Studio 58's fifth and sixth term students have worked with acclaimed playwright Aaron Bushkowski to create audio play scripts that have taken inspiration from illustrations by comic book artist and illustrator Jose Menjivar. They actually created these audio plays under the guidance of voice actor and director Colin Murdoch. I hope I'm pronouncing these names right. Oh my god. You can give them all or the ones you want to listen. They aren't long, so you can definitely listen to all of them, which I would recommend. The audio plays and their illustrations are currently available and will be available until December 11th on Studio 58's website, which is studio58.ca. I've already listened to one of them. It was hilarious. I'm going to listen to more. Definitely check them out. And with that being said... That's today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will tune in next week. I'll talk to you then. Bye!